directors. Once again, we have Ghostbusters. Rich, how you doing, my friend? We have another Ghostbusters show to, to uh, chat about. Oh, has this just become the Ghostbusters show? Is this all we're talking? Are we get, then going to do the real Ghostbusters? Are we just going to go all in on it? Or are we going to uh, do something different next week? <laughs> we could. We could. I'm sure we could do a commenting on the making of each movie. So that's another three. Okay. Um, <laughs> and yes, I, I, the... I don't the, mind. I honestly don't mind. But you know, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the fans, the yeah. one or two people listening would probably get a little, little upset. Yeah, I was always curious. Um, so, of course, we have the uh, third half of our uh, hosting duo, uh, Kevin Tomlinson. Hello. Kevin. hello. I'm just glad hello. to not be referred to as venerable. <laughs> you, you haven't hit that point in your career that's a, yet, so you're okay. That's actually a callback joke to something Nick Thacker said to Joanna Penn one time. On He introduced her as the venerable Joanna Penn. <laughs> so you had to explain to him on, on air what venerable meant Uh oh (laughs) oh oh man i just i just threw nick thacker right under the bus is what i just did i'm sure it's not the first third or last time that will happen (laughs) and and he probably will never listen to this episode so it's okay yeah i kind of i kind of i kind of feel like we're this is a safe space this is a safe space from nick thacker yes it is yes apparently every other listener (laughs) yeah we 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 cannot you know we're not liable for anything our listeners say or does to (laughs) nick thacker so no we're not liable go buy nick's books that is the greatest way to punish nick thacker punish him (laughs) no no the greatest way to punish him is to buy our books instead buy our (laughs) buy our books no 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 i'm all about i gotta promote my my friends oh everybody needs to buy everybody else's books that's the that's yeah. the rule. But so Ghostbusters. Well, I was gonna <laughs> say <segue>. promote books. <laughs> I, I do have a uh, as of now, I do have a pre-order out. So I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that out. Oh, there. okay. Let's plug that then. So yeah, the pre-order. fifth book in my Jack Riley series is available for pre-order, The Venetian Pursuit. Uh coming out on February 15th. So uh, go pick up a You couldn't uh, have done it pre-order. on Valentine's Day. No. Because then we could have done the whole line from Ghostbusters 2. Valentine's Day. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. I've got so much to teach you about marketing. uh, Yeah, you do, actually. Yeah, you have a little little experience in that field. uh, But um, we are uh, talking Ghostbusters Afterlife, which... Uh, this is the easily the newest movie we've talked about yet as the 11th episode of our podcast. Uh, this is 2021. Usually most of our movies live within 1980 to 1995. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're usually on the older classic. And this one got in uh, there because of that tangential relationship to a movie from the 80s. That's, that's yeah. Why. Yeah. No, it, it did because it's a part the show of show will pick up its voice in episode 46, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it really yes, gets it going. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great callback at the end of the movie. That was that was that, <laughs> that was, was great. great. That was great. Was that was great. really well written. Um, You're my subscriber. <laughs> I've had those days, early days yeah. of Wordslinger podcast. Man, I'm like somebody would tell me they were a subscriber to that show, and I'd be like, "You're the one." Thank you. <laughs> I you listened am. twice last week. 
<laughs> Thanks for buying my book. Thanks for buying my book. No, no one ever bought my book because of that podcast. I'm <laughs> I'm like ninety percent sure. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. But uh, actually, hang on, sorry, sorry. About yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, actually, I do some. I listen to Boyd Slinger. I've, I'm a fan of that. And I haven't I done it in a while. I've had, yeah, why I, not? I, Come on. I went on hiatus and uh, when we got on the road in the van, and so it's been it's been a couple of years since I've done an episode. But I, 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 I every now and then I think about bringing it back. But I've I've been invited to do some other shows and uh, do some other stuff. So I may not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I enjoyed the show. So- so basically what you're telling us is you're just, you're, you're just, you're too busy. You're, you're, you're too busy. your britches are big. So you don't have to do a podcast <laughs> like that anymore. You'll just get invited on other people's shows regularly. So that's what that's I got. That's, uh, yeah. That's how you want to do it. Yeah. None of the work, all the glory. Yeah. But and that's uh, how you become venerable. <laughs> I'll accept venerable. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on towards venerable at this point. I'll accept that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Got some had some venerable actors in this movie too. Look at me yeah, looking back around. Look at that. Look at that. Directly. We'll get to that. We'll get we'll to get that, that because I want to comment on that to a degree. I mean, I, I there's I have a comment about a later scene in the film, but let's gotcha. let's do all you guys have a pattern. <clears throat> I, I don't want to disrupt the pattern. No, you're actually we fitting we haven't the read the, very well. You're, you're we fitting in the, with uh, the disorder pattern. Yes, very. Yeah, very we well. we got to do the description. Look, I've picked up on on how your show works, yeah. man. Yeah, gotta, it works. That's the yet. surprising thing. So, do you have <laughs> Kevin? Do you do you have the description in front of you? Uh, no, but I could. I was going to say because you you haven't Hold read on. one. Here's one. Mm. Here it is. When a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Okay, that was that, really well read. That was trailer <laughs> voice stuff. So yes, I. I in let's just get you to do that. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get you to do that, Kevin. You know, With you can just come on surreal. just to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've I've always I've always loved the trailer voice guys, especially when they do a European movie, because you can always tell when it's a European or it's a um an American movie. So if it's an American movie, it's in a world. Yeah. And everyone just sits there and goes, Yep, no, I'm getting. When it's a European one, it's it was a summer when a boy became a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's this movie, by the way. This is a summer yeah. where a boy became a man. Yeah, we've and got a, some of that. And a preteen became a teen. Yes. I was going to write up like a phony intro, too, for this movie. But, you know, because it, well, it, what would that I like, going? I don't know, something along the lines of uh, a prepubescent girl with uh, Asperger's syndrome is whisked away to a Oklahoma town where she discovers that her estranged grandfather uh, hid a dark secret. <laughs> Something like that. You know, I'll just uh, run I, with Actually, I'd, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You've got me interested. <laughs> so, yeah. No hey, comment. I, I feel like I'm derailing us. I don't want to derail us. Let's, no, let's you're not. You're, you're not derailing. You're, you're fitting in perfectly. You've got into the swing of things. It's yeah. chaos. So it's organized chaos. Yeah. So we we I know just from talking to you guys, we all had that moment of apprehension when this movie was announced. Correct. Because of just I the cannonball bomb. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So 
for me anyways, um, it was one of those things where I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife and I, and then I read little things about it, how it's not connected to the, the 2016 remake, um, that it's going to pay homage to the original movies. It's going to be directly connected. I'm like, okay, I guess fine. And the, the, the single moment where I was just 100% like committed to it was when the director of Jason Reitman was announced and, um, go, so going through, you know, the writers and stuff, we like to um, give credit to where it's due, but the first name on our list right here is Jason Reitman. And, um, yeah. And that was a big deal. And like we talked about, he, he, he grew up on, on the set of these movies. I mean, he was the full of crap kid from Ghostbusters two at the, at the party. Um, you know, his, his dad, Ivan is a legend and was a legend. Um, and it was kind of one he of those described things. himself as the as the first Ghostbusters fan. That's what he describes himself as. Oh, I which is be. true. Yeah. It's oh, true. yeah. You yeah. can tell. Yeah. 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 He was toddling around on the first set, you know, yep. Yep. dressed as a Ghostbuster, apparently, <laughs> with like a little vacuum cleaner hose and, and you know. So no, he, was I mean, your, he was living your dream, wasn't he, Kevin? He was. He, he was. Really was. I, he really and, was. Speaking of that, I mean, that's that's one of the things about this film that I think hit home for me was this. I who had, if you loved Ghostbusters at all, there was always that that moment or that scene in your head where you wanted to, you know, where you fantasized about stumbling across a proton pack in an old yep. barn or something. You know, this yep. Jason Reitman basically wrote and produced the the fantasy that i grew up with is what happened and only yeah. a fan could have done that jason reitman yeah you know describing himself as the first ghostbusters fan i think is is spot on because yeah. only he could have told that story yeah and, and and rich and i have talked about this a few times um where you can make like if this movie was made the exact same way mm-hmm. by somebody else but every box was checked the same way this movie was checked it still yeah. wouldn't have been as good. Yep. Right. Because at, there's there's a meaning behind his involvement and there's a meaning behind him. It's so when you watch the movie and then you go, oh, right. Jason yeah. wrote and directed this movie. Yeah. All of the cool things in this movie just are umpteenth degree cooler. Yeah. And yeah. better. And that's where you can make a great movie, but when there's that, when there's those things behind it, that just the feeling and the love for it in this case, you know, cause there's a personal connection to it. Yeah, man. Uh, the, you know, they talk about <clears throat> a lot of times when someone does a sequel to a film uh, or a reboot or something like that, they'll talk about the DNA of, mm-hmm. of the film. And this, this one had literal DNA. Like it was a literal transfer of DNA from yeah. You know the very first film, and I and and uh, they've talked about in interviews and things that Ghostbusters two they consider canon, but it's it's clear that the biggest influence on this was it, that this was a spiritual sequel to the first film. Yeah, and I and I yeah. I know that some of us some among us loved the second film more, and that's fine. That's fine. But I don't think you could argue. You could argue the point. Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. I mean, or you don't have to prove me wrong, but argue me down because maybe I'm wrong. Argue you down about what? 
about this being a, a spiritual sequel to the first film. Am I right? Oh, it or? It no, it, no, it absolutely okay. is. It absolutely is. 100% it is. That sounded way more challenging than I I didn't mean to challenge I did. you. I was, uh, I'm like, wait, so I can't just say yes? You can say, say whatever the hell you want. I didn't know I had to write a thesis about this, <laughs> yeah. this answer. Help quiz sucker. <laughs> I, I felt yeah. like this was a very important film, though. I mean, it, it, so the first the first film was magic, you know, right out of the gate, and and I don't think here here's one of the things I found kind of astounding. You could not, as proven by two movies in between Ghostbusters and Afterlife, you could not simply replicate the formula that made the first film great. It just yeah. couldn't happen. But True. Um, what you can do is take take the spirit of that film and pay homage to it and and end up with an equally good film that's that's the way i felt this went yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah no, i, agree. I gotta I start saying things that are more that are less agreeable so that we don't have to <laughs> Oh no! Trust, trust me, trust me. I'm pretty sure when we get into the movie proper, I'm going to be the one who is going to be not negative, but I'm the one who's going to be sitting here saying, "Yeah, there's certain things I really didn't like," and I'm, you know, Matt knows yeah. some of them already. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen it twice, and both times it was with Matt. So yeah. he's, he's heard a bit about what, what I'll probably. Talk I'm trying about to think sure. if there's things. Well, let's do that then. Let's talk about what what was wrong with it. Might as well get that well, out of the way. Just before, just before, yeah, just before you push me to the side, <laughs> and then we're gonna push you to the side. Yes, you. Oh, that's what you just said. It. You just said you were gonna do that. You know, you're like, yeah, let's get him. Let's get let's get him out of the way. And no, then no, we'll no, have okay, a real okay. conversation. So no, no, for people, so for people that can't see, Kevin already has his breech loading shotgun out. He's already <laughs> opened it, and now he's eyeing Rich while I'm slowly loading. Rabbits. Yeah. Uh, so let's. Yeah. Load he, it up. He's he's waiting for the old yeller <laughs> moment to come. <laughs> oh, so so this is the this is the plan, is it, Matt? You have Kevin come on in the guise of we're doing the Ghostbusters movie. Then you talk about this one. I say what I've got to say. Kevin kills me, and he takes over. I now understand. Oh, this sounds like it's um, going to be bad. Okay, let's get into it. Let's oh boy. Oh I, boy. Wait, before before before. Okay. All <laughs> you right. said something, Kevin. You said something. You said um, the thing about you know. Um, how you know between the first and first and first movie and this one it was you know those two the sequel and then whatever the hell 2016 was you know right they couldn't replicate the magic of the first one and that's something matt and i've talked about with all nearly every movie we've discussed on the podcast so far it's a lightning in a bottle scenario yeah, yeah. and it is impossible to recreate that magic and i will admit i have problems with afterlife but Hundred percent. It's got the spirit of that first movie. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't think that the the second the second Ghostbusters I've come around on quite a bit after watching it again um, after all these years. I think I think it was a better film than I was giving it credit for. Um, I don't think it was as good. I don't personally think it was as good as the first one, but I I could see that as if that were my introduction to ghostbusters i mean i could fall in love with that movie for sure yeah this one i i i i'm really not i'm not sure i don't have i can't step out of my perspective enough to know whether i would have thought this movie was amazing or not having seen it cold if i had not grown up 
you know, fantasizing about being a Ghostbuster, would I have loved this movie as much? That's that's. I'm just not. I'm just not sure. That's That's actually a very interesting question, and I mean, it's one that I think you know we'll post in the Facebook group asking if you know for people who have never seen a Ghostbuster movie, if anyone, if there are those unicorns. And they've yeah. seen Afterlife without seeing the previous ones. What did they think? Or at least didn't I, grow up watching them. Because I'm like, if you yeah. have somebody like when Rich, you know, we talked last week, Rich had never seen Goonies. He saw Goonies and it didn't hit the same because right. of the generational gap in the years. And it's like, well, now if you have a grown adult that had never seen Ghostbusters that had just recently seen it for the very first time. Right. Does it hit the same as people like us who grew up on it? Well, see, I I did have that experience, Um, not with Ghostbusters, but my ex-wife in Mexico, she had never seen Star Wars, any of the, like, she had never seen the original trilogy. So I went, right, we're going to do it. And we did, over the course of a week, we actually did the prequels, and then we did the, we did the original trilogy, then we did the prequels. And, 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 and after that, she was just 100%, she went, oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, she was like original trilogy of Star Wars. That's what it is. Everything is yeah. there because she had grown up watching the prequels. Mm-hmm. So then, when Rogue One came out, took her to see it, and she and we come out, and she is full on Star Wars fan mode. Sure. Yeah. You know, and she's going, oh, uh, you know, like talking about how how it all links to a New Hope and everything, and I'm just there going, this this you know, like it's one of my proudest moments. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things, it, yeah. if you've never seen Ghostbusters and you watch Afterlife first, it's a gateway movie. Yeah. It's a gateway to that universe, especially sure. for young people. Like, you know, think about I do. Th- you know, I think it's a launch pad. I mean, it's clear that the intention is to do more. Yeah. So yeah. it is. Which is a, already announced. Is, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think that was the intention um, to bring in a new audience, you know. But I think they did this in a much smarter way than the 2016 film. Oh, yeah. uh, because there was one, no agenda. There was no agenda behind this movie. There's no agenda, and this it, was but just... there's also <clears throat> the fact that um, this. So the 2016 movie was made with no nod to the existing fan base whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might actually have brought in a new crowd a new audience to in, to love and enjoy the franchise with that film you might have but you what you didn't do was pay respect to the people who were already here and and so yep. it didn't do as well because it wasn't meant for the people it the people they were trying to attract really would didn't care about the movie why yep. would they they had nothing to draw on now if you got me excited about it and i took you to see ghostbusters 2016 you know then you've got an advocate you've got a voice speaking on your behalf and selling the movie on your behalf and that's what you want marketing wise i mean that's you want you want to indoctrinate these people and get them out there promoting you oh of course that's kind of uh marketing there you want you zealots (laughs) right yeah and this this movie did that without um kowtowing without like pandering um it was it obvious. A, it was yeah. It was a it was an original film. What one of the, some of the things that struck me like you know the tone of the film is different from the first film, but it still had that playfulness to it. So you know mm-hmm. you you would not be able to replicate, you know Bill Murray playing Peter Venkman, uh, in this film. You just you're not gonna you can't get there because 
Bill Murray was being Bill Murray in that part. No one can really do that. But, you know, we had other characters in this film that I think stood out and, and were amusing and entertaining in a kind of Bankman-like way um, without yeah. going too overboard. Podcast um, was one of those. Even though it was meant to be like a Dan, like a uh, uh, Ray's yeah, right. Dan's character. Yeah. But he Ooh. had that kind of, you know, relatable confidence and quirkiness that uh that i appreciated he was the ex the ex the excitable kid i mean then that's what that's what race stands was fearless. supposed to be yeah well all these kids were fearless and maybe that's actually a flaw but i i i thought it was kind of <laughs> no, yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't say podcast was fearless because when they go up against muncher for the first time yeah. um you know oh, muncher great, great sees line. them and he he spits at them he spit he, he fires his, yeah. the bullets yeah. at them and and you hear one kid screaming his head off and it's podcast yeah. Well, yeah, but Phoebe's one hundred percent quiet. She's there, calm, cool, collected, and podcast the one who's cowering and just you know he's ready to run. <laughs> well, that's because overstimulation calms her. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a great line. Oh, and the scene right before that where they hear something and they look at each other. Podcast silently shakes his head no, and Phoebe silently nods her head yes. It's just like, yeah, yeah. The chemistry between them was great, but um. No, but like, so like, like this, the spirit of the movie. So it's like when we went to go see it, we saw it um, either opening weekend or shortly after. And after I had seen the trailers and then read more about, you know, who's involved, I was like, oh yeah, I'm 100% I'm committed to this. And then the, um, it's dark, it's spooky. You have the lightning strikes and you have uh, the Columbia pictures, you have the ghost core, you have brawn flash across and all you hear is yeah and you hear them pianos and you're just as soon as that happened i got chills you're and then i was just it. zoned yeah. into the movie i was like oh my god because yeah never in my like watching it or i didn't expect them to 100 percent rely on the original soundtrack like they did i mean but it was different it wasn't ex it wasn't exact it was they did do some of the original music I mean, they, most of it was, but they played with those themes, though. Oh and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and what was great about that was, it felt familiar, but it also helped it feel like you weren't entirely sure what was about to happen. Yeah, like it wasn't unlike every time J.J. Abrams takes over a franchise, it wasn't just a uh, a shot for shot remake of the original. It was its own thing. And it had its own tone. Well, yeah, they used the music smartly to just yeah. coordinate yeah, they with. Used it. Yeah, yeah, and they used it in yeah. different places. That's the other thing. Yeah. Unlike, you know, they didn't put it in the exact same moment. So they would use, sometimes they would use the, um, I call it, in my head, it's a little comedy theme. It's just that little um, didn't, weird didn't, piano. Didn't. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they would use that in different places that weren't actual comedy moments. So for me, I was, I was there going, oh, okay, that's, that's really nice. Um, see, for me, I saw the teaser trailer where you just saw the flash of lightning and the Ecto-1 was covered yeah. in all that. And I got excited. Then I saw the real, the first actual trailer and I just sat there going, oh, Paul Rudd's the central character? No. And I and I, I got so afraid it was just another cash I, grab. And then I, I was I, a I just, little I just worried about that. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't watch it for, you know, well, it came out, what, 2021? So I didn't watch it until... A month or so ago, I think it was with Matt, and I'm there going, 
Yeah, it was good. I was also a little afraid that it was just going to be a straight up like girl power preachy movie. Uh, All the guys were doofuses and and the guys kind of were doofuses. Let's just be honest. But they were doofuses mostly in the same way that the guys were doofuses in the first film. So it all worked out. Um, Yeah. Guys are doofuses normally. Look at the three of us. We're doofuses. (laughs) Exactly. But that's what we were were laughing about was. Yes. (laughs) Well, get venerable but that's what we were laughing about was when you um so the first time phoebe and podcast bring egon's trap to school yeah. mm-hmm. and they're trying to break into it and you see his eyes light up and you know paul red's eyes light up and then we pause it he's reading an avengers comic by the way um which we thought ah. was that was funny <laughs> yep um, i missed that one yeah, he's reading yep. an avengers comic we couldn't see which one because it was it was off uh it was out of focus so you can you you could just see the but word you could, Avengers. You could see Avengers, and yeah, it was very yeah. yeah. So that but, was a nice little nod. To but me. the way that he lit up and he was like fanboying over it, and then later in the police station when he sees the proton pack, and then, yep. and they're talking back and forth, and his eyes are like darting back and forth, like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He was so like, he was basically like another Ray. He was basically like another podcast. He was he identified with the kids more than he did with the other adults in the movie. But yeah, he did it was. in such a good way. He was yep. so, he was so relatable with it. Like he was just so like energetic and like happy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of us. He grew, you know, because he, you know, he yeah. says, you know, he grew up yeah, he, with. The, he grew up the, with it. With it, yeah. with it. You know, the, the the Manhattan ghost stuff. So you know, then it stopped. And for him, he's like, oh man, he knew about the Ghostbusters and all that. So of course, seeing all that in real life. I mean, if if any of us ever saw a real proton pack, we'd be, you know, basically going. <laughs> We'd be yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, that's yeah. on the on the on the on the discussion of like sci-fi tech. That I've always said that the the proton pack was always my favorite sci-fi tech. Like yep. keep your lightsabers, you know, keep you know, keep all that stuff. I I, I always wanted a proton pack. But that so that that kind of brings me to one of the things that was interesting to me about the film. And it, it really didn't strike me until the second time around, but the theme, one of the themes of the film is that um, one of the things that makes Ghostbusters great is that you really could picture yourself in that uniform. Like that's, so there was always this thing about Spider-Man and Stan Lee would say, um, you know, one of the things that made Spider-Man really popular was that because he was wearing this full body costume, you couldn't see who it was. You know, you, it was easy for you to picture that that could be you under that mask, right? Yeah. And um, I'm like, yeah, except for the six pack and the, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. I mean, I I could see it, but there were it it didn't quite work. I mean, it it did and it didn't. But the mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, you literally could be the person holding that proton pack. You literally could. That's what this movie was telling everyone was that it you know it's it's these. It, the qualities that made someone worthy of that role are, are more intrinsic to your uh, strength of character, you know, and your willingness to, to do what's right in the face of overwhelming, uh, even supernatural threat. Uh, that's, that's to me, that was a, a primary theme of the film. Cause if, cause if Peter Venkman can save the world, anybody could conceivably <laughs> save the world. I, I think it's more related if Ray well stands, if Ray, yeah, well said, but I think if Ray stands could save it. Yeah. 
we've got a better yeah. chance. Not Bankman, but Ray. Ray always was that one who was just slightly unhinged. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the end of the first one, when he was yeah. just, ooh, he was just, he was raised bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. but you know, what well, well said, Kevin, actually, yeah. Yeah. I'll, so we also like to give, um, obviously, more credit. So written by Jason Reitman and his partner in this case was uh, Gil Kanan. Um, Gil Kanan is actually directing the Afterlife sequel and Jason is writing it. So oh, um, uh, I have not read why. I have just seen uh, like the announcement of it and I've seen like the names on it, but I haven't really seen anything as far as why Jason isn't back directing at least as of yet I, there, there's nothing that i've seen i don't know if you guys have heard anything or seen anything but i haven't heard anything or seen anything like what made that decision considering you know his involvement in this so i mean thankfully he's writing it so that's mm -hmm. a plus and he's uh i think he rich what did we say he's also producing it so yeah he's going to be obviously on set 24 7 anyways he's just not behind the lens i guess um and, and so. that makes sense, you know. He, he think about it, he put a lot into Afterlife, so it kind of makes sense yeah. that yeah. he'd be like, "Yeah, I don't want to have to, you know, don't want to have a Ghostbusters two kind of happen, kind of, you know." Yeah, and yeah. he's also in charge of him, Dan, and uh, who is it? Him, Ghost Core. It's him, Dan, and Ernie. Hmm. Or no, him, Dan, and who is it? There's three of them that are that run the Ghost Core company. Um, and Ghost Core is involved in this, and basically they are kind of the building blocks, the company in charge of the Ghostbusters universe. Um, and it's it's people directly related to this movie, or to this franchise, I should say. Um, I believe Jason is one of the heads of it with Dan Aykroyd and one other person, and I'm blanking on the third person. Um, um, it's Jason Reitman, Dan Aykroyd. And uh, along with Tom Pollock and Joe Medjick, it's just oh, okay. Dan and Jason. So it's Dan and Jason. Okay, so there we go. Yeah. So that's good because quality control and creative control, uh, you, you just you can see these two. So Jason might be just doing more on that end, yeah, uh, yeah. like between um, overseeing and merchandising and negotiating. Who knows? So there might yeah, just be gonna, more going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're going to MCU ghostbusters it makes sense that you know those two would be basically the kevin feige of the universe sure yeah exactly exactly so um, that's, what, that's what everyone does now in hollywood they try to do another mcu <laughs> pretty much and then tom cruise comes along and stomps on it so yeah. but uh so um starring uh carrie coon who for me was not a super recognizable name um I just didn't know her all that well. I kind of recognized her, but I didn't know her all that well. Uh, mm -hmm. Come to find out that she was Proxima Midnight yep. in, uh, in yep. the Avengers and Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, that was just, I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> just because <laughs> she just didn't feel like <laughs> one of Thanos's kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, then you have you know Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, where people might know that name from Stranger Things. Um, mm -hmm. McKenna Grace, who's great. Uh, she was young. Carol Danvers in uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, she was the girl that was driving the, uh, uh, what are those things called? The bumper car or the doom, the little. Uh, you mean the um, go-kart? The go-kart. Thank you. Uh, she was yeah. driving the go-kart. She crashed it. She was bleeding from her lip and her dad's yelling at her about going too fast or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, she was also, I think, on Fuller House, if I'm not mistaken. She was. Uh, yes. She yeah. was also in the house on Haunted Hill as young Theo. That was where and I first saw her. Along with Annie Potts, she she's a regular, uh, she's a regular recurring character on Young Sheldon. Annie Potts plays Young Sheldon's yes. Mima. Oh, I don't watch Young Sheldon, so. <laughs> yes, she. Oh, I did, how can you I not watch her? Yeah. Um, I have yeah. taste. Ha! Um, <laughs> ooh, clearly sh- not. Shots fired. You're going after the Big Bang you're, universe now. So you're, you're 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 allowed to have your opinion, Kevin. It's wrong, but you're allowed to have your opinion. <laughs> so well, that's where you and I are different. I'm allowed to have my opinion. So. Um, was was I the only one? Was I the only one that was just a little disappointed in uh, Janine, either a not actually being like involved like with either Egon, version? Yeah, or she was being Lewis Tully's. Like I, I, I was hoping she was going to introduce herself as Janine so Tully. I can understand why uh, Lewis didn't show up in the film mm-hmm. uh, for practical reasons. But not a mention, like not, not as far as I can tell, it wasn't even so much as an Easter egg. And this this guy was prominently featured in both of the other films. So you you would expect that he would show up. I was hoping at the end when Ernie was talking about how he, you know, Winston started his company with one employee. It would it would have been Lewis Tully. That would have been great. It would have been Lewis. Yeah, I had not thought of that, but that's funny. Okay, that would have been cool. The thing, the thing for me is the reason maybe that Easter egg is in there, that sprinkle is in there for maybe who knows, you know. Well, for me, I, I, I kind of go okay. If you think about all the other Easter eggs, you've got everything else they've thrown in this movie. Mm-hmm. They need to have something for the next movie. Yeah, true. And Lewis is a big part of the first movie, but he has a bigger part in the second movie. And he's New York, right? So it's exactly. like, That's why would he be yeah. in Oklahoma? So maybe uh-huh. he's going to be back in Manhattan. Exactly. That's but the the, thing. there was that opportunity for him to pop up in the end credits, though. I think you're right. Or at I, least I, a I, mention, just a mention. Yeah, yeah. You know, like well, Lewis and I started this company together. That's all he had to say. See, there were that, a couple. Me, that, that's too on the nose. That's to me. That's more like okay. If you do that, you're really now pandering. No, because that doesn't mean that, that he, all he is just reiterating is how he he started his company. He's not telling you that Lewis is going to be in the next movie. Well, because no, think but, about it. No. Where Winston had to have in, invested his money, right? And so yeah. he would have turned to whatever resource. He didn't have a lot to begin with. He was making eleven five a year. So yeah. he had to turn to, to whatever resource he had. It makes sense. Of course... Lewis totally transitioned over into uh, being a lawyer. So uh, maybe that was something we didn't talk about in the last episode. What what kind of lawyer was he? He was a tax lawyer. Oh, okay. Well, he, he said he, he mostly did tax law and yeah. some probate stuff, is what he said. Yeah. So, yeah. Still, and he got his degree in, in night school. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah. so we also have Logan Kim, his podcast, who again, he, he was so good. He was so yeah, good. He was great. And this was great. his first film role. Like he had never. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He He'd done so some good. acting. He'd done mostly maybe TV spots and, and things like that. But this was his first full motion picture role. Oh, he, he uh, looked it out. He was amazing. He was one it's of like, the best in the cast. That's a yeah. key. I mean, that's when, when Key brought his brother in to try out for the short round for Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, key brought his brother in to do it. And 
his brother didn't speak a lot of English and Key did. And so they were like, man, this kid's got, this kid is telling his brother how to act. Well, yeah. let's talk to the brother and see what he can do. And then that's, that was Key's first acting role. But uh, he kind of had that same, like that flamboyance, but that excitability, that just natural, his facial expressions were so genuine. And so like, wh why do they call you podcast? Oh, I call myself podcast because yeah. of my podcast. And he does his little face and you're just like, he's so cute. He's so yeah. Like, <laughs> he's so good. I was, I'm shocked to hear that this is his first, like, his first thing. Yeah. So you also have Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's bit at the end with Bill was very cool. Um, yeah. And um, weirdly, uh, Rich and I knew this, is the two actors that portrayed Egon in the movie. Or the yes. two people that portrayed Egon in the movie yes. were two. I was gonna. I was just about to bring that up, dude. I couldn't have guessed. You're talking Bob Gutton. I I would never have known. And what, think about this. This is what's interesting to me. How many people showed up in this film as uncredited or completely camouflaged roles? Yeah, I mean like Bob Olivia Gutton Wilde. is an amazing actor. I mean, he for people that may not know the name, he's the warden in Shawshank. Right. I mean, he's he's such a good actor, and then. The other ghost Egon was one and only Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. And you're just yeah. like, oh my God. And you could just tell it's like they obviously did this role because they had. I watched an interview, the interview with uh, Jason Reitman talking about that. I didn't know until I saw the interview that that was Ivan Reitman as ghost Egon. Um, but it was an homage to him as his father. It was his, it was both an homage to. Um, uh Ramus and it was a kind of like respectful Valentine basically to his dad. Uh in and sort of like this is a dad moment. You know, this is him, you know, from beyond the grave doing something for this kid that is his blood. Uh so yeah, it was a pretty powerful I think it made it it gave it a lot of emotion. I mean it gave it well yeah when you think L's in that that you know yeah you just when you think about it too who besides Dan Aykroyd probably knew Harold better yeah I mean Ivan and Harold have been joined at the hip I mean yeah since the beginning and you're yeah. like who better to play that role than yeah. Ivan so again there's an interesting note about it makes um, it that much better because of the because of the just the meaning behind it yeah uh, on that on that same page so when they decided to, cr to create a CG version of Harold, uh, they approached his daughter. And what they, what they proposed is what they did in the final film. Instead of, the, uh, of it being an image of him as he really appeared just before his death, they aged up the character of Egon because, as, as they put it, like they wanted to pay tribute to Harold but they didn't want to like it was it was all about um honoring his memory through this character he created so it wasn't meant to be screen it was meant to be egon on screen yeah. so the in the in his daughter like fully agreed with that and they ran with that and that's what they did in the final film yeah. and they also did some little nods there were several little nods to um the animated series by the way real oh, ghostbusters yeah. stuff his it hair mean was I mean, one of those <laughs> the, the, the gunner seat in ecto the gunner seat did they have yeah. the remote control in it too or was that something new they didn't i've i i've never I seen anything remember. About that, that, remote. that was for the movie yeah 
There was, was a cool. ghost. That was that was uh, cool. <laughs> eye popper, I think, is his name. He was a single, yeah. had a giant eye. He was from the animated uh, yep. show and was from the toy line. And I recognized him right away from the from real Ghostbusters. So yeah, there were a lot of little nods like that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so with with like the nods to this, um, what were y'all's favorite like? Like we always talk about our favorite moments of the movie, but what was yeah. your favorite callback? What was your favorite homage? What was your favorite thing that had to do with the original Ghostbusters that they redid in this or just nodded to it? I mean, for me, it was just when the movie starts and I hear that piano and I hear that that music and I'm just like, oh my God. And then Rich, he goes, are you going to cry again? And I'm like, man, there's certain parts of this movie where I hear that or I hear yeah. that, you know, that or that the piano or you hear and you're just or it feels like there's a guy playing a uh a big uh metal saw with a violin you know yeah, yeah. And say, and i'm just like that's a, oh. that's a theremin i know but that's it reminds me of somebody with like a big metal Absolutely, saw yeah. playing it and with for, and for those wondering yes matt did cry again <laughs> I, got, I got choked up i didn't cry i got choked up but yeah. there's this so for me it was just it was just this constant barrage of emotion through music honestly and and in a great way in the best way possible yeah yeah i don't that's tough the the music definitely to use the pun hit all the right notes for me yeah. um it hit the feels it, hit you right in the feels it, it really did and it really it, did. It, it set the it set the tone for the film there what i i there were all these little easter eggs in egon's lab that i you know, I yeah. really m noticed most of them on the second pass, but little little things like finding the crunch bar in his pocket, you know, and then like, the Twinkie later in and then the, the Twinkie. One. Uh, yeah. There was the ghost sniffer. Did you notice that in uh, in one of the scenes? It's in the background, but the ghost sniffer that that Bankman uses in Dana's apartment when she asks, you know, are you sure you're using that thing correctly? I, I, I think so. That's that, what it's called. That it's was called in the ghost. Okay. Ghost, ghost sniffer. sniffer? Uh, okay. okay. Little things I mean, like what, that long, were long well, the, the in like the spores, molds, and fungus. Yeah. Yep. There was the spores, molds, and fungus. Yeah. The, so yeah, his lab was just like a scrapbook of the first movie. You know, there was the little oh. made sign, hanging sign that was on Venkman's uh, door in the first movie. He was on his little swinging door or whatever that was the the office door the the one he jumps yeah. over yeah 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 okay there's okay. Little, little things like that it's just, just these little stupid things that you only know about if you've watched the movie ten thousand times you know yeah. as a kid or whatever um that they just pop up and and some were more obvious than others but yeah there's it all that stuff that was really collectively like the music it was the texture of of the ghostbusters um universe for me what about you rich i got two i got two answers you had all that time that i was yakking to think yeah, of i got two i've got i've got okay. two i've got two okay all right okay <laughs> first one it is my favorite one and it's not even actually part of the movie proper it's the mid-credit sequence with dana and bankman yeah yeah that that, oh. that that that's always been I mean, like, in the first movie that's always been one of my 
favorite moments and just seeing Bankman. To be get fair, I only at, shot the guys. Yeah, <laughs> and admitting he was doing it just to pick up chicks and everything. Didn't that me, feel that's... like the most genuine moment you've ever gotten from Peter Bankman? From... Yes. Like yeah, that yes. was just the most human moment. No show. Did you mark no the cards? Spin. Yeah. And yeah, he was, but me, he, and yeah. he was being Peter Venkman, but you, yep. you got immediately, you got the sense that this is a couple deeply in love has been together yep. all this time. And mm-hmm. somehow, somehow they, yep. they toughed it out. And despite Venkman being Venkman, they, they lasted <laughs> and, and true. And, and you definitely get the sense that they, they were so flirty with each other after all these years. Yeah, it was, that it was, that was the most human that's, I've I've seen that guy. Yep, and that's why that's why for me it's my favorite callback yeah. to the original movie. Sure. The other one, um, the other one, it's the it's the Twinkie. <laughs> it's just uh, the tw- it's just the Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that scene when he's describing the I can't remember what the but when he talks about like a. a Twinkie that's eight feet long that weighs twenty thousand pounds. Five feet long that weighs five hundred pounds. Yeah, that's That's a big big Twinkie. Twinkie. Yeah, that's that is. Yeah, those are the two. uh, And literally, all you see is just a Twinkie. But whenever we watch, I've seen the movie twice, and both times I saw the Twinkie, and I just was like, Yeah, yeah, no, uh, agreed. I mean, that's there. There was a um, there was a callback in this film that actually gave us the first time we've seen this particular thing on screen out of all three uh, Ghostbusters films. And it's the scene where she and podcast are testing out the, the proton pack. And she says, okay, switch me on. And that, that clearly was a reference to the line in the elevator in the first film. Mm-hmm. And for the first time ever on screen, we actually got to see the switch that switches on the proton pack. You also got to see the startup and then the camera pans down and you see the, you see the, the, cyclotron. the cyclotron. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. I loved how they did a little bit more of the deep. Cause then when she opens it up and she's working on it and man, just seeing that little bit of that deep dive into the tech and just that, that little extra detail. And it was such a nice touch. It was such yeah. a nice touch. I, I think I said this in one of the other episodes. That was kind of the, one of the things that I always loved about ghostbusters as well is that this was all like cobbled together you know, other than these guys being, you know, or Egon at least being like a, a genius engineer and scientist and physicist, um, you know, this was all junk they cobbled together from whatever they could afford to get their hands on. Yeah. Except for the plutonium core or whatever that was running the things. But, you know, this was all this was all like garage stuff. This is kind of crap that my buddies and I build and tinker with, you know, no, yep. no proton packs in our in our community yet so okay been trying for 30 plus years now still haven't so, been able to build one <laughs> so you asked the question matt about you know our favorite callback to the first movie what about your favorite callback to the second movie favorite callback to the second movie i don't i don't remember any i mean i, I guess because i don't know the second film as well but i couldn't connect anything no, I know the film. second film really well, but I'm I'm always so focused on the callbacks to the first movie than the callback to the second movie. Um, really, there's only just one. Oh, I know one. All right, go one. ahead, because I'm blanking. Yeah, no, I don't know. All right, Kevin? <laughs> uh, the toaster. Yes, that's the one. The toaster was in the kitchen. 
Yep, yep. So you got the the dancing toaster. Okay, yep. that's one. Yeah, that's the, there is that's another. The only one I remember. <laughs> yeah, there's another. There's another. There's another. And a pretty important moment happens with the other one. I just think what it would be. Ray's books. Oh, wait. What? That's from the second movie. Oh Ray's yeah, that books. is from the second movie. That's the Ray's second movie. Yeah. It's not from the first. Ray, yeah, I Ray, thought Ray's I thought you were referring for a second there to the symmetrically stacked uh symmetrical book stacking which they no, had to the have had <laughs> a robot or something do yeah that was first movie yeah, yeah that was no I human being would have stacked books like that yeah. no they wouldn't have. but i love it because <laughs> watching it the other day uh, yesterday for me with matt we um you know watching it and you know the stack of books and then when the first quake happens yeah. both of us both of us were watching the book, stack of books they do not fall which proves they do not fall they don't even sway <laughs> No, they sway for a second. They do sway. Oh, okay. Yeah, they wobble a little. Yeah. yeah, they wobble, but they don't fall, which proves that no human did stack those books. Well, and there were multiples. I don't know if you noticed, but there was more than one stack. Yeah. Throughout the house, yeah. yeah I liked how they mentioned uh, Tunguska Blask of 1908, because that yeah. was a gr- great line from Ray from the first movie. Yeah. Um, and, she, and, of course, podcast has to say, the Tunguska Blask of 1908. Yeah. He almost says it identical, like the same cadence as Ray did. Yeah. So, but, um, so with, with this movie specifically, because of just how it uh, kind of how it, it, it's restarting, um, the franchise, it's impacting the original fans like us. Um, but it's also driving new fans to the series. Um, where do you guys envision it going from here? Like, what do you, besides what, the synopsis of the afterlife sequel says, cause they're going back to Manhattan. Obviously at the end of this movie, you see Ecto driving to Manhattan. So, you know, they're going back to New York, you know, Ernie already said, or Winston already said, he's going to bring you home and fix you up. Mm-hmm. And then the end credit sequence with them pulling in to um, the firehouse. Um, like Rich and I have talked about this too, Kevin, but I, I, I think we talked with you too, is it's like you have Gozer. Mm-hmm. But Gozer was never properly caught. Gozer was just, I guess, sent back to the other side. Um, So with Gozer caught, and I would imagine properly disposed of, um, where do you see this going? Because we do see the the array is blinking and, you know, the holding array is blinking. So, you know, that's about to fail. But... um, I, I, in my head, I'm trying to figure out where it's going to go from here. And it's, it's kind of I hard mean, because I'm like, mm-hmm. where else could it go that it, unless it's completely original, which it could be, but I, yeah. I don't know. I think they'll else. probably, they may do something original, but also bring in something from Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Janos. An homage. Yeah, yeah. He said Janos. He said Peter Maybe. <laughs> I think, you know, you, they, the actor who played Vigo isn't alive anymore, but they could they could do something with Vigo. Um, well, he, he I, possessed Ray, so you know he could st- Ray could still be repossessed. Yeah, the thing is though, there was a clear they they discussed that after the events of the second Ghostbusters, they were in business for a while. Yeah, they did too good and took out too many of the ghosts or whatever. Which, by the way was something that they did in uh, real Ghostbusters at one point, and they started chasing criminals, human criminals, with their proton mm-hmm. packs and stuff. Uh, but I think... Shouldn't that I have think like completely obliterated the human body? <laughs> well, they modified them. 
They created yeah, these no. like they're, proton they're, they're cages settings. and stuff. Yeah, there are settings. Uh, yeah. I think <laughs> and, um, and, and all it takes for one criminal to get hit by a proton pack and explode for the word to get out that yeah. you see the Ghostbusters, they're pointing those things at you. You stop. You do not yeah. keep running. <laughs> stop. Hands <laughs> on your head. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the ultimate tasers. But there's an opportunity for them to, um, you know, to to bring in something that that happened off screen for us, you know, sure. a threat. And uh, but I think they'd be crazy to not bring back something. I think we'll see Slimer again in the next movie. I think we'll see Jack Cartemeyer. Uh I think I think Jack will come back for revenge against them. Uh, in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know if he's still alive, uh, William Atherton. Um, that would be hilarious if you see Walter Peck back. Um, like, I could see them bringing back, like, some of the, like, the B characters and, like, some of those great background characters. Um, could be the Scalari brothers. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, I really, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but man... Like you want to talk about a mind bomb of an, an event is if you see Rick Moranis on screen. Yeah. That I mean, would he's, be... he's kind of dipped his toes back. Like he did um, like a, a kind of funny commercial spot with Ryan Reynolds. Yep. Uh, yeah. he, he, he is getting back into it. So yeah. Yeah, that's the thing when they did the first, when they did afterlife, he probably still wasn't a hundred percent interested because he's always said um, the reason he hasn't, you know, after, after everything with his wife and taking care of his kids, the reason he didn't get back into acting was because all the scripts that he was given, it was literally the exact same character, which was Lewis. And he just didn't want to play a nerdy little guy. He wanted to do something different. And that's why he kept saying no. And he just kept saying no. And then he got to a point. He was like, all right, Hollywood doesn't want me anymore. I don't want Hollywood. And he focused on his uh, country music career and won a couple of Grammys. So, you know, good on him. Right. Things I didn't know for a thousand. <laughs> I had no idea yeah, that he had a country music career. And he won a Grammy. That's the, the yeah, he's, I think he's put out like two albums and the first one won a Grammy. And now he's hit this point where he's like, okay, you know, he's ready. You know, his kids have grown up. His kids have moved out. So he doesn't yeah. need to worry about them. So he's ready to go back to Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife Part 2, whatever it's going to be called. I forget what it's called. Yeah, it could be the perfect opportunity for him to make to to make his glorious comeback. I, I do think. Okay, you mentioned William Atherton. He is still alive. I've just checked. Okay, I think you're onto something because we've got we've got the containment unit. We've got a a powerful or a wealthy uh, businessman who clearly is going to start a franchise, right? That's yep. that's that's seems clear to me. Um, why wouldn't you bring back Walter Peck, who's somehow, somehow in the eighties recovered from his public shaming or whatever, not, see, risen that's in the thing. ranks? He, no, no, he hasn't recovered. He has been driven insane, and he's one. His one goal yeah. is to take down the Ghostbusters. Or he breaks in. Or he breaks what in if he's sabotages? What if he's mayor? What if he's governor? What if he's a politician? And he hears that the Ghostbusters are trying to be resurrected and he decides to put a uh, stop to it in some way and that might cause the containment unit that would be hilarious if he causes the no. containment unit to blow up again <laughs> I've got it I've got uh -oh. it uh oh Stephen Tash 
the guy that played the uh, student who was shocked in the first <laughs> film went from uh, that that set him on a path of darkness. He watched uh, as Venkman and the others became famous. He started getting into the occult. The occult. He started to develop his real psychic powers because he actually started getting those results right. Right. Yes, he so he yes, developed he his psychic powers, and he's gained control of forces from beyond and unleashes them <laughs> on new york out of vengeance Ooh. actually that works that does work yeah that might be kind of that cool. would be the callback to end all callbacks nobody <laughs> would see that coming no 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 you know what the call yeah well <laughs> the callback to end all callbacks you know who's the villain the snooty musician from the first movie that dana was talking to <laughs> That's yes. a deep dive callback. <laughs> what would be really it, interesting when, is if he goes technique... all ghostly pale, like because you know yeah. you need a little sun. What if he's like <laughs> slowly drained color over over uh -huh. the decades, and uh -huh. now he's just I, like that would be interesting ghostly. because I I always thought of him as Dana's ex husband. Yeah, so they got... never came out and said who her ex husband. But he got a job uh, in an orchestra in London. Uh -huh. Oscar make... has to show up in this film. So here, yeah, Rich so we, and I, yeah, go ahead, Rich, this. go ahead. <laughs> okay, so so I'll, I'll, let me lead it in and I'll give you. You set it up. You set it up. So there's a, so the, the trivia stuff that we like to read with this movie. Uh, one of those for the Afterlife sequel is stating that Chris Pratt is connected. Okay. So me, he's got to be Oscar. He's got to be the grown up Oscar. And he comes, and he, either he would, either you could make him the villain because he just, you know, doesn't like Venkman or he doesn't like Ghostbusters or anything like that. But either he yeah. doesn't, he's the villain, or he joins up. He's the new version of Winston. He maybe he was a firefighter, maybe he was a cop. Can you imagine this guy raised by Peter Venkman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, I can, I can see Chris Pratt playing that character. Yeah, but yeah. you know what, Chris Pratt in a Ghostbusters film, he's not going to be a villain. He's not going to be a villain. He'll, he, no, he'd be, that's, that's why, that's why, see, that's why that could work. Just no he'd one. be a Venkman is what he'd be. Yeah, but yeah. no one's expecting him to be the villain, which is why I think it's what they would do. And in this case, I, I don't think, this would be sad, but I don't think the other kids are coming. From what it feels like, it's just the Spanglers going to New York. Oh, I reckon yeah. they'll bring podcast back in because podcast was one. Well, of you would have to move. Let's see, but that's logistically you're going to move all the kids' families. No, no, it could be that podcast is going there for a, like. It could be this is how you kind of work it. You could work it that it's a school trip, and podcast is there on a school trip, and he gets pulled into it. Look, Dan that's, Aykroyd had written an entire basically. treatment and scripts and everything for the Ghostbusters meeting in high school, um, so. I don't see why he wouldn't push to have something similar like Ghostbusters High, where he's so the Breakfast Club version of Ghostbusters. Well, where it's uh, where it's like a youth program kind of thing, where oh, yeah, you know, okay. uh, Winston is funding it, um, yep. uh, Ray is uh, in charge of it, and uh, you know they bring these uh, these kids into this program and to teach them science and you know all the all these uh, different things that well, go into being a Ghostbuster. And they take funny a trip enough, to Manhattan. Funny enough, that, okay, that could work. But funny enough, the other day when we Matt and I were watching it, I actually said to him, 
I would love to see the origin story, how Spangler, mm-hmm. Vankman, and Ray hooked up, how they came yeah. together. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that would be cool. That would be cool. But it couldn't involve ghosts because none of them had seen a ghost until the first no. film. No, but what you do is you actually have it'd be, Ray it'd be had, college. It'd be college of have, some kind. You could have you could have Ray. He had an experience. Yeah. He had an experience and no one believes him. And Egon's the one who kind of goes, Well, okay, you're so sure that you had this experience. Well, let's 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 figure out how we can, you know, find out hundred percent. And he, you know, because Egon's always been the let's say the brains. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. You know. Bankman's the you know, Egon's the brains and Ray's the heart. And uh, Bankman keeps the, it cool. Bankman kept it cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Winston was the sex appeal. There you go. Um, so, he had you know, the tools and he had the talent. Winston, <laughs> like I am the Winston of this podcast. Yeah. So what you're telling me is what, so what you're telling me is we the feel of the podcast. What you're telling me is we don't have an Egon. We don't have an Egon. No. So I'm, a, I'm 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 more the of the Venkman of the group. No, Kevin would be Venkman. Kevin would be Venkman. Uh, I can, no, I can admit no, this. he hasn't said anything bad about. Okay, so so, so not, here's the thing: the if Venkman. Kevin's I'm a Venkman, a nicer Venkman. If Kevin's Venkman, then we don't have a Winston. <laughs> we don't have a Winston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I thought my my luscious beard brought the sex appeal. So I thought I was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Kevin is uh, Winston with glasses and tall hair. He's kind of the <laughs> amalgamation of Winston and and, and and no, I was going to say Winston and Egon because he has the engineering <laughs> background. And oh, okay, all right. And, and, and like, so, like what are, so what are we? No, so one big Ghostbuster. So so uh, Rich and I are apparently uh, podcasting Ray. <laughs> Actually, I, I'd, Matt, I'd say you're more Lewis. Oh no! <laughs> I, mean, I had you both pegged Janine, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to give me ni- if you're going to give me 1989 Annie Potts, I mean, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> So they, I, I, there was a there was a deleted scene that would have made the final um, mid credits one of the mid credit scenes make a lot more sense. Uh, but there was a scene Are you where talking about the coin, the coin. Did yeah. you see the deleted scene where she found that coin um, uh, yeah. while she was talking to what's her name, uh, the daughter? Ellie. Yeah. So she was, she was, they were having a conversation and uh, she was in the kitchen and Janine was out in the like living area saying, you know, you, you throw up uh, some paint on the walls or whatever. You might be able to do a showing for this house. And she was just kind of looking through the shelves and she found a coin. Now we don't know anything about this coin yet. Cause that scene was deleted from Ghostbusters. And so it just looks like she just stole a coin. But then when you see the mid credit scene and you realize that was the coin she gave him. And so that would have made that scene much more powerful, in my opinion, because you would have spent the whole movie thinking, I wouldn't have pegged Janine as being like a petty, you know, that just doesn't, that's not in her character. And then in the end, it would have actually amplified her character. They, I, I don't care what they say. They didn't treat Ghostbusters 2 as canon in this movie like she was clearly that was the first movie janine she was yeah she was a grow an outgrowth of 
the character from the first film. Although I don't think that she was fully in character from uh, from either of those films. Oh, no, I think she was that, uh, more Annie Potts than it was. She was much Jenny. more Annie Potts than Janine, right? Sure, sure. And um, one thing that um, I was always I was curious with while we were watching the movie uh, for another go around was there felt like a disconnect with um, Carrie Coon, uh, her age relative to Egon becoming a Ghostbuster. Right. So Rich and I talked about this. So if the timeline is correct and the timeline is, you know, 1984, Carrie Coon's character maybe is, we'll call it 40. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just spitballing an age here. Because she so, was born in 81. Yeah, but when was, when was, yeah, well, when was when, her character she, born when, when relative to down. Egon? So it's like you're yeah, sitting yeah. here going, original Egon, clues. Egon and, yeah, go ahead. There's clues, okay. There clues, clues. Yeah. When, when, she, when, when she goes into the lab and she sees the wall of her life, one of the first yeah. posts. That was all Carrie see. Coon, by the way. Those were all childhood photos of her. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, cool. one of the first post-it notes we see it and disc cards actually. It's the year mm -hmm. is 1987. Then they pan across. The last one that we see is 83. Which is you know, one year before the first Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. So my theory is either it's a case of Egon didn't know about her and then had to do the backtrack, or Egon so focused on the work was more of a absent father figure see but he never that would be more of a vankman thing well no yeah. no think about it not think an egon because egon was so straight-laced and so like he never came off as somebody that would do something like that and i don't want to paint no, that no, in like a horrible that, picture okay, like this but okay when you, when you think of an absent father you think of a loser you think of a lack of a better term an asshole but you can be an absent father in regards to the fact that you are so focused on your work, everything yeah. else disappears. Sure. And if you look at Egon in that first movie, what is he? He's 100% science. Nothing else matters. Everything is science related. Yeah. I just can't because believe because it's because not canon. And that's what but, I think. I'm just well, like. That's the, well, that's the problem with, okay, if you base everything 100% off that first movie, because we don't see Egon outside of the office. We don't know anything about Egon except, you know, he tried to drill a hole in his head and Bankman stopped him. We don't know anything about Ray either. The only one who we kind of see outside of everything is Bankman because he's the audience surrogate. Sure. So it's one of those cases where you kind of then have to start thinking, okay, the personality of Egon in that first movie is 100% he's focused on the science. And if he did have, and it also kind of explains why he, he's, he doesn't pay any attention to Janine because she flits with him in that first movie hardcore. And it makes sense why he doesn't focus on her or he doesn't do anything with her because he's so focused on the science. So you kind of think, okay, if he does have a family, he would be more focused on the science than he would them. And then when you think about afterlife, the way Carrie Coon's character talks about him, it makes sense that, you know, she grew up with a literal absent father, even if he was still there. And then once Ghostbusters turn, goes big, he just fully goes, right? He's a hundred percent. She hadn't, there was no indication that she knew anything at all about, his career as a ghostbuster well she says that he you know it got to a point and then he, he she always said she he abandoned us now she might not have not have known why 
He abandoned well, her. Well, and she had said, um, well, was that in the deleted scene or did she say that in the film? She's, she said that she never knew him. Yeah. See, which, uh, that's in the so movie. to me, that's, that would be that he's, he either, that, I think it was more of a thing where he may not have even known about her until later. And, and those index cards on the board is him backtracking everything. But yeah, and maybe I, he I tried buy, to reconcile and she wouldn't have anything. See, to I, do don't, with I, I don't buy that because the 1987 card, they show that pretty clear. It talks about she's she missing teeth. Yeah, that's something you would notice then and there. That's not something if you backtrack and you're doing deep dive into the history, you wouldn't pick up on missing teeth and make a note of it. That's something that you make a note when it happens. That's why I reckon it's one of those cases of he didn't know she was alive and he was treating her like a science experiment. Kind of like Leonard Hoff said his mother treated him like an experiment in Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Sure. See, so yeah, I don't watch, I, I didn't watch Young Children, but I do watch Big Bang. <laughs> so, uh, I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking this up and apparently I'm not the first to, uh, to Google this. Um, <laughs> Uh oh. So it gives the timeline of whenever all these things happened. It makes clear that the move that this film happened in 2021. First Ghostbusters 84, second is 89. Says there was no mention of Callie in either of those two movies, which would hint she was born 1990 at the earliest. This would make the character 31 years old now. Oldest child is 15 which is possible, uh, but this makes her a young teen mother. The other option is that Callie had been born by the events of the original movie. The original Ghostbusters never once brought up that Egon had a kid. Well, yeah, I think. Story. But, you know, he's living in the firehouse. He's, you know, yeah. he is. And, and think, he, think there about is kind of a hint that. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But I was just going to say. No, no, no. You know, think about Egon, that character in that first movie. Ignore everything else. Ignore yeah. everything else about Egon except in that first movie. Of course he would go and stay in the firehouse and leave his family. If he is such, so focused on the technology, so focused on making sure everything is okay. Think about how he reacts when they talk about shutting off the um, yeah. the array or shut or talking about how the proton packs work or just you know all that sort of stuff. Of course he would go and live there. He'd want to make sure that, that Venkman wasn't messing around with the equipment. You would want to make sure no one is touching the equipment without his supervision. It's possible that before the events of the first movie, he was he had been married, was a was kind of a airhead husband, wasn't a, wasn't really there. Uh, they got a divorce. She got full custody, so he knew about his daughter, but he was effectively single. That that uh -huh. seems like the most. So he didn't just uh abandon them. Yep. Okay. Uh, that, 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 I, I can accept that. Yeah, I could see uh, a scenario where that would happen. Uh, then explain all the photos. Explain with him tracking yeah. her life. Explain that then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he would have known about her, so he would have. How would he have gotten the photos? A, well, he, if he knew about her, if if he knew she existed, and his wife got full custody, there's no real reason why his wife wouldn't have sent him photos and kept him updated. Well, it depends if if they split amicably. Or not <laughs> but we already know i mean you know the world is full of people who are willing to even so i have this scenario in my own life where my my brother and his wife are estranged and they 
shared all kinds of things about kids and it just kind of kept going. It was just sort of a thing, you know, it wasn't, right. no one, no one made a big deal of it. So it's possible that I could see a scenario where even though he was kind of a deadbeat to her, uh, he would inquire about her and, you know, clearly he kept up with her in this film. We got that story. He definitely kept up with her. He was also a, co a quiet kind of guy, a private kind of guy. So he may never have mentioned it to the others. Yeah. They may because, never have known he had a daughter. Because when at the end, when Peter meets Kelly and he says, you know, what's your name? And she says, Kelly Spangler, his reaction, there is that brief moment of, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, because I mean, even even Ray was kind of taken aback when he said Egon, or when McKenna and Phoebe said Egon Spangler was my grandfather. Exactly. Right. So you know, it makes sense that he wouldn't have. You know, why would he talk about that sort of stuff? It, w it wasn't pertinent to the job. Because she definitely would have been born by the time Egon split with all this stuff. Took took yeah. Ecto one and took the packs and all that stuff. Yeah, because she, that she definitely would have been born. That technically would have been, say, this is just rough estimate. That would have been early 2000s, maybe 2005, 2006, just timeline-wise, is because when they say, you know, things got slow and then, you know, this this many years we had a, a call, 10 calls a week, then we were lucky to get one. And then he said, and then about 10 years later, he calls me. So it's like, okay, if, the, if Ghostbusters 2 is 89, say they're in business for another four or five years after that, so now you're talking mid nineties, maybe. And mm -hmm. then 10 years after that, when is when he gets the call from Egon and maybe that's 20, you know, 2005, maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit further through. So I, I'm going, later. I'm going to lean in on the theory that she's the same age as the actress born in 81. I'm going to just lean in on this and that the marriage fell apart before the, the events of the first film. The first movie. And he just never mentioned it because he just, it never occurred to him to mention it. And I'm going to go with, with I'm going to go with the right answer is that Carrie <laughs> Coon, Carrie Coon nailed the audition and they didn't care how old she looked. Let's see. Well, I'm just saying, because, because at the end of the day, if, if she crushed the audition and she did such a great job playing that character, Maybe they were just like, you know what? Maybe she is, maybe she is in her early thirties and it's when just, you're, when you're right, you're Kevin. <laughs> so other Tiny. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You could be Conroy and that would be sad. That would be sad. Kevin Conroy. We brought up Kevin Conroy last time. Yes, we did. Uh, there's a character we haven't really talked much about uh, in this the movie so far and that is ecto uh <laughs> they did not go with the ecto from ghostbusters 2 yeah yeah they did the real real ghostbusters homage with the gunner seat which yeah the first first time i saw it i was floored i'm like oh my god that's so cool and i love yeah. how it com happens completely on accident um yeah that was that was fun that was cool um yeah there, uh, I know one of our favorite scenes was um, the first time Phoebe fires the proton pack, the the, yep. the thrower, and yep. you know you hear it charging up. She's hitting all the switches. You're just building up with this like anxious yeah. energy because you're like, oh my god, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, because it's got that iconic sound. 
And then she throws it. And then you just see podcast going nuts beside her. Just like that scene was the, that was the energy that, that you wanted to see from these characters and like to see, cause she was so straight with it. And she was so like, this isn't that big of a deal, blah, blah, blah. And podcast yeah. is like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And you're just like, Oh my God, it's, it's Bankman and Ray all over again. You know, in this yeah. case, or Egon and Ray. Asking for his, turn. <laughs> his turn. His turn. Oh, Give me the gun. did I get it? Get it. You destroyed it. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Oh yes. man. Um, so did you guys notice, um, cause I know you guys are really good with picking this out and I, I probably just lace over it is the, um, it, puppetry, um, with like some of the stuff. So obviously the terror dogs were so cool. Both, both yeah, ways, so um, CGI yeah, and, and puppet. And yep. Um, and they did such a great job blending both technologies yeah. together, depending on the, the camera angle. But, um, did yeah. you guys see anything else besides that? Well, there's the um, the workman sitting in the cafe. Yep, he was basically a recreation of the taxi driver, right? Yes, he was. That um, was cool. That was cool. I think it was really that because the the marshmallow, the uh, safe pass mini marshmallows were all CG. They um, were CG, but they did use 3D printed uh, marshmallow men to posit to line up the positions and get the lighting and everything right for reference. Well, yeah, that's that's standard practice, but that's not in the actual movie. Because you know, that's not in the movie. Yeah, so it doesn't uh, count. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, I think it was just the the driver, and then a couple of the shots of the terror dogs that were all that were puppetry. Everything else then was CG. Because I and that was something I was actually disappointed in. Was the fact so, that Muncher, <clears throat> Muncher was completely CG. Muncher was where, CG, but they 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 did use again reference models. They they doesn't so count. One of the, not in the finished uh, movie. Part of it, <laughs> part of it was, but the, um. They didn't do like a whole like animatronic thing uh, the way they did with Slimer. But um, one of the things I appreciated about the movie, there were several things they did to keep it, keep the visual tone of the movie the same as the first film. One of those was they, every monster did get a, a, a clay uh, model. Uh, so the, and then they, um, they took all of the original photo optic effects and scanned them so that they would match when they did the cg version of that okay that's really cool yeah it's very uh, cool. that is really cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i was i was i was watching the sort of the whole like unspooling of the behind the scenes stuff and the making of and all that and was just impressed at the level they went and that was all jason jason pushed all that um but the cloud effects and the lightning effects uh around the mountain were identical to they they used all that stuff from dana's building from the first film yeah. uh some some like actual they actually brought in some of the practicals and the actual optic effects and just you know upgraded them with cgi so some of the stuff that was in this film was actually in the first film that's cool that's cool and yeah, the cool. uh um i lost my uh Oh, so was I the only one that reacted identically to podcast after uh, Paul Rudd re released the terror dog? Where he threw his hands up and just yelled and was like super excited. <laughs> I, I, With the I, school I, bus I, and then the, I, the I, I do. Yeah, I didn't when, do that. 
I did that. Like I was so happy to see that whoever, if, if, was, whether it was Vins or Zool that popped out, man, I was so excited when I saw well, that we, thing come up in like a ball of fire and yeah. clouds and just yeah. lurch over them. And then it just takes off and destroys the school bus. I'm I, just I like, was too oh. busy wondering like, what was it you thought was going to happen when you opened a ghost trap? Like I, that, that's that whole scene bothered me because basically Paul Red was really irresponsible <laughs> and, and libel and libel and, and libel. <laughs> to me, that's a moment where it's really plot related. It's not character. That's a plot thing because they need to get that character out. Yeah, and this comes into one of my biggest problems with the movie. Um, which I just oh, think it's finally because getting to it. I just think it's because he's. <laughs> He was 12 for like a minute and he's just like, this will be cool. <laughs> no, see, to me, that's still, that's still plot. That's not character. Um, he does act like that it, for the most of the movie though. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest. He's, he's yeah, very. Not, not even to the point of endangering. That's the thing. If you, if you know the Ghostbusters scene, you see a trap, you know, there's a ghost in there. Right. So, I mean, even if, okay, if, if you came to me right now and said, Rich, here's a trap. Here's a real Ghostbusters trap. There is a ghost in there. I'm not. I, knowing what I know about ghosts and Ghostbuster ghosts, no way in hell am I opening that. Yeah. So that's a plot thing. And it is a plot thing just so they can get both terror dogs released out in the open to bring back Gozo, which is a problem I have. And it's this. It's the same thing I had with Force Awakens. Force Awakens is just a new hope. So if I'm going to watch a new hope, I'll watch a new hope. Having Gozo come back, having... The terror dogs take over um, our Lewis surrogate, which is, um, uh, what's his name? Gooberson. Uh, yeah, thank you, Paul Rudd. Yeah, and the Dana surrogate, which is, in a way, going to be Carrie. To bring back goes and all that. To me, okay, it's the first movie. Why do I need to watch Afterlife? I can just watch the better version of that, which is the first movie. So that's one of my big problems with the movie. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why, you know, we talk about what could be the next movie. Okay, I say bring back Vince. Um, no, Vince, bring back Janosch. And I go, yeah, I'll, I'd like to see Peter McNichol. Maybe a cameo, not as the main villain, because then I'm thinking, okay, you're just going to retread Ghostbusters 2, which means you're not bringing anything original to this yeah. story. So why should I bother watching? Right. Okay, I don't know. That's my yeah. that's my, that was my first problem. <laughs> I thought, um, I did like... I mean, they, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I like, I, I liked it overall. I liked the idea of it uh, and the recurring like Gozer coming back over and over again. Um, Let's see. The problem with that though, is if you look at the timeline in the Gozer chamber, there is another one, another event where Gozer is going to come back but, to me, which then says to me, then what's the point in trying and even but the timeline, what, what the timeline wasn't Gozer though. It don't, only one of those events was Gozer. The other two well, were something else. Okay, so uh, true. But there is that thought, and this comes back to what we talked about last week, about the predestination stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay, you had 1908, that's the Tunguska. Yeah. You had 1945, which is the um, you know atomic bomb and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Then you had 84, which is Gozer. Then you had this one, which is still Gozer. So you could look at it as that Gozer is influencing everything. In the 1908 Tunguska blast, was literally was actually Gozer trying to force her way through without the use of the terror dogs. Yeah, sure. So, so you could, and and the atomic bomb. Okay, that could have been Gozer influencing 
World War, World War II, it, as Gozer influencing, trying to be subtle. And then going, screw it. I figured out the best way to do it, which is 84. You have your, you've got the gate, uh, the gatekeeper and the key master. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's always going to be Gozer. Well, that would have been Evo, Evo Shandor's involvement too, building the well, yeah, skyscraper. And that's the thing. Think, you think about the age of Evo Shandor and you look at the history. What, when, when did he supposedly die? 1945, I think, is when he died, 45 right? 45 is what's on his, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and yet he's still alive. He's in his tomb. So it makes sense that, okay, yeah, this is where everything starts to fall apart. That's the problem with well, the other, bringing... That does open some questions like, okay, the other events on that timeline. Yep. What did, what was, so it the implication is that these were cataclysmic events that were somehow um, stopped. But, just the but way they were also predestined. They were they were predestined, and but something arose to stop it from destroying mm-hmm. the world, right? Yeah. So, you know, what I'd like to see the story of what what happened the other two times, like who stepped up, who was the hero. You know, we got the Ghostbusters in eighty. Go ahead. Uh huh. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, Kevin. I'm sorry about that. No, you're not. You're not interrupting <laughs> me. I, I, you're interjecting. Well, see, Ooh, that's what I tell a, my wife. A... I'm not interrupting. <laughs> I'm interjecting. Well, I've got to keep that in mind. Okay. Um, well, to interject, the, the thing about if you know your actual history with the 1908 Tunguska Blast, it was a literally, it just was. Um, the yeah. biggest theory and the most one, the one that is kind of. Um, yes, Richard, tell us about this. It, the recognized theory. When does your book Tunguska come out? Uh, it hasn't come out yet. It's like, I know. So. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, the Tunguska blast, what it was, it was a meteorite that hit and right. basically evaporated, evaporated in the air and it just right. decimated this area and the shockwave was felt almost around the world. Yeah. That's the most recognized theory. The other theory is that it was Nikola Tesla. He had built um, in the US, he had built this tower called uh, Wardenclyffe. Right. The premise of that, it was basically going to be able to transmit everything. Mm-hmm. was going to transmit electricity remotely or, you know, by radio waves. And right. there was the theory that he actually had worked on a, it was actually a weapon and that the Tunguska blast was a test fire. Mm-hmm. So knowing the actual history, when they keep mentioning the Tunguska blast, I sit there thinking, okay, how, who would have stopped that? Unless you then say, okay, it was Tesla. Tesla was the one who Tesla. stopped it. Right. That's what yeah. I would go with. Yeah. Like the, which, that's a fun story. Like that's yeah. there's another incursion from something. Maybe it's Gozer. Maybe it's something else. Right? You know what wasn't on that timeline was Vigo. Ah, but Vigo wasn't as cataclysmic. Vigo wouldn't have been a cataclysmic event. He would have just been, you know, because think about it, he wanted to take corporeal form. So if he takes corporeal form, what happens? He can get shot and killed. So who cares? All right. I can buy he, wanted to, he wanted to come. He needed a mortal body. Yeah, that's a mortal body. So, I got the impression though, because that the slime was increasing that spectral activity. That's why the Ghostbusters got back into action, and the slime well, yeah. was infinitely tied to his his rebirth. Oh, I so, I always assumed it was the other way around. The slime came first. It was the slime before Vigo. And oh, he was feeding. And, and for me, Vigo was feeding off the power of the slime. Oh, Vigo was a consequence of the slime rather than yeah. the slime being tied. Oh, that's an interesting Because take. when you think about it, at the end of Ghostbusters 2, when 
um, the crowd outside the museum are singing. Uh, sorry, the art gallery. They're singing. Vigo's power weakens. Yeah. His power is tied directly to the slime. So for me, it's the slime came first and Vigo is feeding off the slime. So but when the slime they, starts... there was a moment where they, the, the painting changed or whatever, or they took mm -hmm. the photo of the painting and they were looking at the photo. He says, what is that? He says, I've seen that before. Yep. Under, under the thing. So I still think that that was somehow part of his realm or something, but I like the idea that, that, that basically he was already there and the, uh -huh. and the slime activated some kind of portal for him to come through, oh, yeah. which might be an interesting twist for the next film. That's, if the, that's if it. something yeah. like that exists. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they do decide to bring in the idea of the, uh, the mood slime again, I would have no problem with that. Um, as long as they didn't do Vigo. If they decided they were going to go Vigo, even Janosch was going to be a bigger part of the story, I would just instantly go, no, I've seen that movie. It was better the first time around in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. The other problem I had is all of the stuff with Finn Wolfhard. I just didn't give a flying rat's ass about him, his first love, and all that crap. That could have just yeah. gone right out the window for me. Everything that I was interested in was the ghosts, Phoebe, um, uh, podcast, the mother, all that stuff. Every time Finn Woodhard came on the screen, I just wanted just to slap him. Yeah. And the whole story with Lucky and her dad turned out to be the sheriff. And uh -huh. I, I, yeah, those characters were not necessary. Yes, they were not again, necessary to the film. And all of a sudden she's suiting up. She's part of the gang. Come on. Yeah. Because again you had to have that moment well i don't want to go into that there's a you, had, had, they, you had to have four ghostbusters that's what you need yeah. you needed to have four ghostbusters and they went okay we've got and but they this didn't give sound... her enough of a role throughout the rest of the film in fact exactly they brought her into the whole when they went down into the the, the mines they brought her along in that and she just accepted all of it and there was never yeah. a moment of questioning it of fighting it uh yeah. none of that yeah that's she was that was yeah that, exactly every time i watch this movie every time he and she i'm just sitting there thinking don't care don't care don't care this yeah you know you know and and i always had the problem with um him fixing the ecto-1 and then watching it with matt yesterday you they do this very quick shot of egon egon Egon's ghost and i'm right. thinking oh come on if you're not paying attention to the movie and you don't see that part you instantly start questioning how can a kid fix that car well, like I said, th through that, I told him, I'm like, through the movie, he wears shirts, Chevrolet. He wears, like, car shirts. So, so there was a scene I'm where he fixed their family car. Come on, I'm yep. wearing a Godzilla yep. shirt. Doesn't mean I'm Godzilla. <laughs> no, but, but you, you also have to understand. I wouldn't want to fix Godzilla. I want him to reproduce. I want oh, him you, to, you, you I want to have the baby Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> but, I, I, but so, like, why Why is... No, why I, is... I, I, I want the little baby Godzilla. I, I will so, not fix Godzilla. Well, <laughs> see, that, that's where I think it's almost like a double standard, Rich, is you're 100% okay that Phoebe's as smart as she is. Why can't he fix a car? Mm -hmm. So I don't like Finn Wolfhard. It's not and that's the way I saw it. I don't like Finn Wolfhard. Okay, all right. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's, that's fair, fair enough. Sir. Good luck living he, with that. Um, oh, I can, I'm living with it fine. I've never liked <laughs> him. I didn't like him in Stranger Things either. Yeah. 
I did sure. think it was kind of interesting that he put, you know, he they went as uh, Peter Venkman for Halloween in one episode of that show. Yeah, and that was cool. And that was and before the, they knew they were even going to make this film. Yeah, 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 and and that was cool. But his character I found to be just completely unnecessary for the story. I agree, though. I do agree with that. I don't. I don't think he's he didn't serve enough of a role other than you know bringing Ecto back in. Um, yeah. So the, the, did. But by that standard, then Winston was not unnecessary. Winston was yeah. also unnecessary. Yeah, but in the you're like, too. but you yeah, can't, I, I, you can't, <laughs> you can't I'm see fine. the Ghostbusters without the four of them. I, yeah, I now yes, <laughs> yeah, but you could have you could have gotten through the entire first film without ever introducing. Oh, I, I agree, I yeah. agree. But I and think it's just it's also recency here. bias. I think it's just because he's. He's known for something else in the science fiction realm that yeah. you don't, and obviously you just don't like the actor. That's fine. I mean, that's, that, there's nothing me, wrong with that. Let me state plainly. I'm okay with the kid personally and with his role in the film. I think but he's a great human being. I don't know why Rich is crapping all over this kid. I, I agree though. <laughs> I just don't think he's, I don't think he can act well. From a store, from a writer's standpoint. Annoying. Yeah. I, I agree that he didn't serve the film. There was no, he, there was no actual purpose for him in the film. I agree with that. Yeah. I love They, they, the they needed a mechanic and a driver. They were they recreating needed, yeah. the original Ghostbusters so he, cast through other avenues. That's, that that's, the, that's yeah, the other yeah. problem. As I said, that's the other thing. Okay. You just said it, Matt, that they, they needed the mechanic and the driver yeah. and they were recreating. I understand it. I don't, Okay. maybe I just so don't look my, that deep into why he's in problem. the movie. He's just in that's the my, movie. But, and that's my problem. If they're they're trying to recreate these these archetypes from the first movie, why do something different? They had they are they were doing something different with podcasts and with Phoebe. They were doing a lot of things different, and yet they still felt they had to obey the rules of the universe, or not even the universe, just obey the rules of the first movie. And they had to, and they forced this extra thing in. I mean, for sure. that for that matter, um, Gruberson wasn't necessarily a, a vital the movie's character tough. either. He's just there to be. Which is yeah. true, but you didn't have to introduce him the way they did. They gave him a reason for being there that was somewhat I, contrived. Yeah, it right. Still works, I mean, it it works, and I, and and that's the that's the point. It works, and uh, Finn's appearance worked for me, uh, possibly not for you, but the, <clears throat> there was no like possibly. why set it why set <laughs> Gruberson up as a seismologist and all that. It, when ultimately none of that played, it didn't play any part. Like it wasn't uh-huh. because of that, that they discovered the activity in the mine. Nope. They discovered that the activity in the mine was causing the thing that brought Gruberson uh, to that town. They should have done it the other way around. Uh-huh. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm here and I'm standing in as a, as a substitute teacher for summer school. You're a genius kid. Okay. Look, Let's go find out why this these this seismic activity is happening, and that would have been a good motivation for having him in the film. But the way yeah, they did you. it, he was inconsequential to the film. Yes and the no, film. because they the seismic they are talking about the explosions. They're not earthquakes. There's no fault lines. There's no loud music. But that, but that didn't lead to the discovery, though. That's if it had it's, led it's, to it's, discovering what was happening, uh, then that would have been. Worthwhile, yeah. and, but they didn't... and who discovers it? Who discovers it? The most useless character in the movie. Well, she's the one who put it together while no. in the mine. 
physically that, discovering the whole, physically seeing everything before yeah. the others is the useless yeah. character. <laughs> it should yeah. have been. It should have been the actual seismologist. Say that five times real fast. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they, that's they, true. They did it out of order. Is what happened. They, they, they. Mm -hmm. If they had used that seismic activity to have them discover the hole and discover what was happening there, that would have made uh, much more sense. But they didn't do that. That's the thing, because they were too. See, that's that's the other thing I don't like about the movie, and this does go back to um, the most useless characters plot. I don't. I I've never been much for coming of age stories, and his story is very much coming of age, and I just don't give a crap. <laughs> Yeah. His name no, is Trevor, I, by the way. Yeah, he does. He does have a. It's even a terrible. See, it's a forgettable name. <laughs> see, the, I mean, they went out of their way to make sure I wouldn't like that character. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about forgettable, unfortunately, I saw the film originally in the theater, right? Um, I had forgotten about podcasts until I rewatched it. I'd forgotten really? about that character. Yeah. And yeah, I think see, it's because. He doesn't. He also does not play a vital role in the in the film. He's more of a comic relief than anything. Yeah, but that's yeah, where I, you I, you you have to be open to coming of age stories because the whole funny see, part about podcasts. the beginning was, you know what, Phoebe, I really think you're going to make a friend out here. And she goes, "Make him out yeah. of what?" Right. Yeah. And so you, you just you she needs a friend. She needs I, somebody that's as weird as I she is. I love the character. Like, I thought he was yeah. great, yeah. but I, yeah. I I didn't remember I, him. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. That, fair enough. I, I mean, I you're you're going to have, in this case, you're going to have like three characters in this entire movie, then. Okay. So we basically did have three characters in the movie. Yeah. I know. But... Also, um, Callie <laughs> was completely unlikable as a character. I didn't, I didn't like her at all. Uh, she was an irresponsible person, drove me nuts. Um, I think yeah. that was the point. Lucky was yeah. not worth having in no. the film i think podcast was great in the movie and i i would hate to see the movie without him but i didn't i'm just saying i didn't remember that he was in it until mm -hmm. i until i watched it that's that's, um, that's that's fair i don't think gruberson should have been in the movie yeah see, i would cut see, this, this down this three people. when you've got this is that this is the problem <laughs> when you got someone like me who sits there and kind of goes, Yeah, I don't like this, and then it, it all just cascades. <laughs> yeah. And as somebody who would love one of his books to become a movie, I think they were all amazing. Oh, I'd love I think I'd, every I'd, character was perfectly written. Oh don't 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 for late Hollywood. So I am gonna say this to, too. Pandered this, Hollywood. This might be <laughs> sacrilege. That was full fellation. Yeah. But the uh the introduction of the OG Ghostbusters at the end was, oh, that was one hey, I thought top. it was weak. I thought it was really Ooh. weak, especially when they first appear on screen and Bill Murray's doing that whole line and everything. There's no energy at that point. They yeah, just, that's Bill Murray though. <laughs> but it was like it felt like those old like silver screen movies where somebody just sort of like um somebody walks in from off stage you know, it just felt, it felt weird. It, it didn't feel natural. Like they didn't come in ready for battle. They, they, they came in like, okay, yeah, here's right. your they, cue. Walk do, on stage. Yeah, That's what it felt because, like. And then it's light them up. And, the, and, and Ray's got his 
kind of slinged over his shoulder. The others have to yeah. draw their opponent on hikes. Yeah, you're, what you're was right, it that right kept that. Gozer from just frying all three of those guys when they uh shocked that appear? they look so old? Could be. I appreciated it. <laughs> yeah. And the reference to flat top and all that. That was yeah. that was good. But and the, I don't yeah. remember this job hurting so much. Yes. I do. Are you a god? <laughs> that right. was funny. Come on, Ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing. So, but yeah, like, we're all gods. We're right. all special. <laughs> you're, you are right, Kevin. Their actual entrance, the moment we see them, it is quite anticlimactic. You're absolutely right. But then it, then it does kick up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I do, and, uh, um, they were able to do something with the the uh the beams that they could not have done in the originals uh which was yep. when she separated them you know yep. uh yeah that was I cool think that was cool she i liked that there was that she's crossing the streams yeah and <laughs> that know, was <laughs> they never overtly stated it but i i think we all kind of can agree that 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 was an also a nod to who they had lost because you know they had yeah. four beams Cross mm-hmm. those streams, and they were able to keep her contained. There were four beams in the uh, mine, aimed at the shaft. So every time the meter went off, four beams hit, and it kept her from emerging. So you know, I think even though it was very subtle, that message was there that they were a man down, and so that yeah. cost them. And that's and then, when and when Phoebe yeah. picks. And I got to admit, first time I watched it, Phoebe picks up the proton pack to join. That you know, she's the fourth one. I go admit, I, I did go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And then yeah. when you see yeah. the ghost of the ghost of Egon, it is. I I didn't tear up. I actually didn't cry, unlike Matt. But I, I did. did kind of. I did go. Ooh, it was a brief was, moment for it, me. That was a that was a that was a kick to the emotional balls right there. That was. And then honestly, when you see, um, them, and you see Winston, and then you see Bill, and then you see Dan, and you know mm-hmm. you, you see. Ernie, Bill, and Dan, and you see their reaction. Obviously, there's. It's just. It's Ivan on set, dressed as Egon, and they are basically saying, "What if Harold was standing here with us?" Yeah, and you can see, especially Dan, man, because you know Dan and Harold were like best friends, and you see the two of them. And when you see, it's the scene near the end where uh, Callie dives into her father's arms and then it just shows everyone's reactions and it goes down the line. You see Ernie's Ernie's hurting. You see Dan. Dan is just weeping. I mean, he is just. Yeah. And then and then Bill, it, I mean, Bill's holding it together, but Bill's Bill. I mean, but man, you yeah. see. Like, also, keep in mind, keep in mind Bill and Harold's history. There is that as well, which you keep have to keep in mind because when they did Groundhog Day, they had this <laughs> massive falling out. On mm-hmm. Groundhog Day, and there was that sort of thing where Bill just went, "Not nah, that's it." You know, he didn't want anything to do with Harold ever again. He just walked away from him completely after many, many years of friendship. You know, you think about the Ghostbusters, Stripes, all that. Um, and then one day, Harold, uh, Bill calls up Harold's daughter. hadn't you know, didn't have Harold's number. He called her da- his daughter and said, um, "It's Bill Murray. I want to see Harold." And she goes, "Okay." And then it was something like a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later, Harold had died. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. So what you're trying to say is Bill Murray killed Harold Ramis. I didn't say it. Oh, well, I mean, you implied it. 
I didn't play anything. <laughs> Whatever you want to infer from what I'm saying here, and that's on you, Kevin. <laughs> so um, but accusing Bill Murray of murder is probably a good spot to start to wrap the show up. <laughs> I'm not accusing him of anything. I, 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 I would like to work with Bill Murray still, so I, you know, I, yeah. I'm not going to accuse him of anything. <laughs> but it is that sort of thing, like, when you see there, like knowing that story about Bill or Harold, Bill's face, yeah, you're, you said it, you said it, Matt, he's holding it together, but you knowing that story, it's even a bit more, yeah, because he never got to fully reconnect again. Yeah. And Dan, it's, you know, just, says, you know, I'm sorry, I, you know, I didn't believe you. Or he said, I should have called, I miss you. Yeah. Like there's, uh, like I said, if this was a different movie and it was just, but man, that's where the feels hit you. That's where the history hits you. Yeah, that's that's what drives this movie for me. And that's why, like I said, so we'll end on this. Um, we talked about our favorite callbacks, but what was your single favorite scene from this movie? Oh, it could be one of the it could be one of the callbacks we talked about. But what was your single uh-huh. favorite scene from this movie? My single favorite scene, it, it, it was. Um, it was when Phoebe fires the proton pack for the first time. Yeah. Oh, for the first time. Yeah, when she fires it for the first time in the field. Mm-hmm. In Rust City. Yeah, in Rust City. And, you know, the moment that uh, podcast flips it on and you hear that classic power up hum kind of, yeah. yeah, that, you know, that's that's so iconic. And with modern sound effects, modern technology, it is, yeah, that's that's the kid's dream. You know, you got this 12, 12 year old kid, girl firing a proton pack. And that's something every kid wanted to do after they saw the Ghostbusters for the first time me that's my favorite moment second favorite moment is the um the tiny marshmallow man running rampant in the walmart <laughs> that was funny and that was disturbing Lee, and yeah, hilarious Lee, they're, they're, they're killing each other i love that <laughs> yeah 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 gleefully gleefully yes. yeah. making s'mores yeah. but you know you when the, when the ghostbusters show up and they're all like ah. it's, yes. like, it's like they're elvis yep, yep, their the reaction was was priceless but yeah. uh what about you those, kev those, yeah. Um, I mean, I think my my favorite, the most moving scene in my favorite was the when uh, Phoebe's firing the uh, proton pack and uh, and Egon appears. You know that that was that was probably that was the heart of the movie for me. Um, but if we're just talking cool points, I mean, one of my favorite scenes was when they were in the mine and Gozer starting to rise when the kids were in there, just checking it out and everything's rising up from the pit. And then all of a sudden the proton packs kick on and it was just, there's something about that that was so cool to me was that Egon actually cobbled together the solution, but it built, if you think about it, it was a callback to the original film because he learned crossing the streams. Yeah, yeah. That crossing the streams would do it. And, and those four beams you know it it was a in a way it was kind of moving to me i I know i i went a long way to get here so bear with me but it was he had we're used to it we're used to it he had wandered away from the pack the the heyday of of these guys you know it was over um he needed them and they couldn't be there or weren't there but he, he was able to replicate what they did but it was never going to be enough. You're like, you just know eventually that's going to fail. That's, that's why he was trying that whole ploy with, you know, 
grabbing whichever the, uh, field of traps. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and then when that failed and you could just, there was that resolution that you, you saw, he saw it's over, it's over, you know? Um, but yeah, so that's, that, that scene actually to me symbolized a whole bunch of stuff. So sure. yeah, I think that's my, I don't know if that's my favorite scene. I think my favorite scene really is when he appears and he's helping her fire, you know, there was a lot of character and strength there and a lot of emotion there. So yeah, mine, mine, I talked about it earlier. Mine was the uh, opening credits when you see the Columbia Pictures logo and you hear the music yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And that's when I knew I was going to get a, a great movie. I was just, I knew I was going to get what I wanted. And it was just childhood relived. It was the right guy writing and directing this. The feel, just everything. As soon as I heard that music kick in, I was just, I was so absorbed in it. I had goosebumps. I was getting emotional. I was just like, there was so much happening all at once because it was just like, you know, because you're on edge because we were so disappointed with the last one. And it had been, you know, 25 years, you know, longer since, you know, uh, Ghostbusters 2. And you're just like, oh, they're really doing this after all this time. And is it really going to stick? Is it really going to matter? Because is, or is this just going to be another Spider-Man where they're just going to reboot it a million times until it sticks, until they get lucky. And you're just like, man, as soon as I heard that music and then I remembered it was Jason Reitman and then I remembered it was Dan Aykroyd. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. (laughs) And that's was, that was always, even now I've, I've seen the movie six or seven times now. And I will, when I put it on, I will stop, turn towards my other screen and just watch the opening sequence because I can hear it. I can see it. I can feel it. And I'm just like, man, this is amazing. Yep. And that's where I just go back to just the music in this movie just gets me every single time. First time Rich ever said, I said, pay attention to the music. It'll drive the movie. And it did. It did. Cause it, it, it just, it kept the feeling of, you know, I guess the feeling of our childhood. So Rich, you always have a question for us at the end of every show. Yep. So, I, 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 you kind of already kind of did it. A the answer bit is boxer your... briefs, Rich. Oh, well, okay. Fair enough. Um... Uh, actually, I wear boxer briefs. <laughs> That's what I said, oh, boxer well. briefs. Oh, yeah. I thought you said boxers or briefs. <laughs> hey, your choice, Matt. We're not going to judge here. Um, but no, sum up the movie for you in one word or less. <laughs> one word or less? Yeah. Ooh. One word or less. Done. Yeah, come on, use, use telepathy. Come on. Yeah. No, but sum up World what of the, the movie psychic. For you. Yeah. Sum up what the word, what the movie means for you. I think Kevin said the first movie for him was was like heart. I think is what he said. Was it? It just it had like, you know. So like for me, that was kind of the same with this movie. Is because of what the movie meant um, to an audience that could truly appreciate it. Because um, newer audiences aren't going to truly appreciate it like people like us would. Um, yeah. And um, this movie had heart. It had, uh, I would say it had feeling. It was just, as I said, it hits you right in the feels. This, and that was the music. And I just, I'll say it again. Every few scenes, you got a callback to the original scores and you were just like, oh, it just, it just hits you. It hits you good. I mean, for me, so it's just like the heart, the feeling of it, just like the meaning behind it. So I don't know about you guys. It's probably similar because that was what this movie was about. Yeah. I, I would say my one word answer would be respect because they respected mm-hmm. the, 
the original fans. They, you know, they honored the mem- the um, the original feeling of the film, the original heart of the film. Um, they respected and honored, you know, Harold's contribution to to that and how people felt about him. Um, yeah, they did. It. Of course, of course, Jason Reitman would. Uh, I, you know, just given his history and his family's history with the franchise, but they he did an excellent job of respecting the actual like heart of the of the story, the heart of these characters. He respected the the you know the story. So yeah, respect. That's both both good answers. Okay, okay, okay. Titus agrees. Stolen the good ones. Titus agrees. <laughs> yes, yes. My, my, my dog does. That's that's the the thumping you can hear is his tail against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, family. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it's like you know, not just bloodline. Like, it's just it's you know well, the friendships and stuff too. Well, no, not even that. It's it's very much actually. I wasn't even thinking that regards when I say family. For me, it's like okay. Out here in Australia, my family, um, like my extended family, don't see much of maybe once or twice a year. So you've got to do that big catch up. That's what this is. This is like getting together with family after not seeing them for such a long time and you've got to catch up on everything. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah. So you, you meet up and all of a sudden, hang on, you're now married and got a kid? Where did that happen? It's that sort of thing. Yeah. And you get to hear all the cool stuff that's going on and everything. And you and there's some things you can't go, oh well. Well, that's, that sounds cool for you, but that's lame for me, so I don't care. But overall, it's a good time because you're catching up with people that you love. That's what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's yeah, a good I know. My, my, my answer is not as good as yours. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely third. I would say it's it's probably a decent third, but, you know, like pretty far back. I would say Kevin and I are pretty up there. It's like... Yeah, Mummy 99, you're probably like Mummy Returns. You're really good, but you're just kind of like <laughs> there's some there's some there's some oh, issues. You know oh, what? Rich? Oh, you're, you're, you're saying my you're, answer is CG Rock. Your That's answer, you're yeah, your answer is a little bit better than the CG Rock. Oh, oh CG Scorpion that. King. You're you're oh, a little bit you better than CG Scorpion King. No, no, I'm done. I'm not coming back on this um, episode. It's just you. I'm not coming back on the show now. It's just you and Kevin. That's it. <laughs> you see the plan worked, then you quit. I didn't have to kill you or fire you. Um, if, if it helps at all, I think Matt's answer was a very generous answer. Suck up. <laughs> if you really stop and think about that. Um, no, 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 like, honestly, you, your answers were, I'll admit it. My answer was okay. You both of your answers were really good and really half of them. No, I no, think. no. You're no, I think you're right. No, I, I liked I liked your answer, family. I liked that answer because that that does feel like um what the movie was to me in, in, in a lot of ways. Because you know, these are care we've said this, we said this before. I identified with you know Vankman in particular, but these characters, these were a part of my mental landscape growing up. And uh and in informed me in some respect as i entered adolescence and into adulthood um you know there are lines of the first film that i quote to this day uh, to much to my uh wife's regret and um and so your regret depending on how the conversation ends depending on where things are going um (laughs) but the the you know 
so yeah, no, I think family is a perfect, I think that's a perfect way to sum that up, honestly. I mean, realistically too, this movie is literally about family. It's literally about family. Literally. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See? And metaphorically you just, you, you, about You know what, Rich, family. you just need to explain yourself better. That's all it is. Well, no, I've got you to Rich, don't worry. Me. We, we will explain you. Don't we worry. Will, we will explain we, you to everybody. We've you. got your entirely inadequate answer covered. <laughs> Man, see, just, 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 I've got this feeling that, see, that's the sort of thing my, my family would say to me as well. So I feel like we're all family here. Here we are, back to family. Back yeah. to my, family. My family shits all over me too. So. Right. <laughs> so I'm not alone. Good. <laughs> maybe Kevin, maybe Kevin needs to be the, uh, the, the third half of our host team more often. I don't know if I can do, I can do this regularly. Uh, <laughs> you guys keep you know, me up too late. Oh, and, and you hate it. We can tell you absolutely hate it. Whoa! Cover the next day is rough for me. I I end up napping oh. on the floor. You don't, you don't we'll have to uh, we'll have to get Rich to stay up super late Aussie time, so then Kevin and I can record in the morning. Oh, there's a big uh, there's a big problem with that. I, you know, me staying up super late to record. You know, if you guys, yeah, I've got to yeah the big dog here. Like, yeah. Just so, Kevin, just so you can see, you know, the yeah, big yeah. dog there. Yeah. He's a 120 pound uh, mastiff, right? He's a Italian mastiff, a canine. Yeah. You know, he stays up with me and I I close, I'm in a different room. I close the doors and he just instantly starts howling and carrying on. So it disturbs the rest of the household. That's the one problem. I understand. I totally <laughs> understand. Well, saying well, this that. Was, this has been fun. Yeah. I, appre yeah. I appreciate you guys had me on and, uh, and talking about one of my favorite franchises and, and uh, you know, we, we already said we are bringing you back on when we decide to do back to the future. Yeah. All right. Just cause that was that your, that was your we'll, other movie that you that was were the other movie. Yeah. That was the other movie besides so just back to the future one you'll, you'll want to do, or you're okay to do all three. I guess I'll do, uh, how, how could I not do all three? Yes. I, I, I will say <laughs> I did not care for the the follow the second two films as much, but it's so it's okay. another Ghostbusters okay. scenario, and they've yet I, to I, come back and make the like super poignant moving uh, special edition follow up to Back to the Future. So somebody needs to do that. It, it might happen. It might happen. It might you happen. never know. It might happen. An homage but, uh, to uh, Michael J. Fox. Yep, yep. Uh, but uh, don't no. do that anytime soon, and I'll come back in the distant future yeah. when you finally get around to it after. It could be about the um, you know, Doc Brown's children. That's the thing. It could be about his children. That's true. They had yeah, a whole animated series. Jules and Vern. Yeah, yeah. Jules and Vern. So, but that's 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 for the uh, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, like I said, Kevin, thank you for coming on and hanging out with us for three episodes. Um, we really do appreciate it. Um, like I said, we can't wait to have you back on and uh, give us a hand with those Back to the Future episodes and who knows, maybe something else down the road as well. Um, if you guys do like the show as much as we like the show, which, so there's, well, two of us. I don't know if Kevin listens to it. But... <laughs> wait a minute, these play somewhere? <laughs> In our um, heads. In please. Our heart. <laughs> like, hand do you hand yeah. the show out on little thumb drives? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Little um, <laughs> that was I, I uh, it's like a robot or something. I don't remember what it was. Or a no, 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 no. Yeah, it was um, it was a rainbow unicorn. It was a uh, uh, what? What is the um, 
My oh, Little man, Pony? My Little Pony. I think it was a My Little Pony thumb drive, um, which is just another... Podcast is a brony? I guess, I guess. All right. All right. But um, yes, like and subscribe to the show. Uh, tell your friends, just <laughs> like I said, this is something perfect to just listen to for <laughs> BS purposes. <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to get past the brony. Uh, <laughs> and Rich, Rich, Rich can't get past the brony. Uh, it's, it's, it's just just a podcast as a brony USB drive. That's what's doing it for me. <laughs> so now I can see this little, uh, this little. I've got this little this image of this little thing, and it's talking, and it's our voices coming out of it, which is just and it's the three yes. of us. So it's even more surreal. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just ignore me for now. <laughs> I try. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash armchair directors podcast. Uh, like I said, it's very, very, very active. A lot of great, um, just random movie stuff from different people. And it just builds these entire conversations. It's really cool. Um, I actually posted something in there about um, pick one car and there was like, 20 different cars from different films and TVs that you could pick to have forever. And I just thought it was appropriate. I said the afterlife version of Ecto one, cause I really wanted the gunner seat and I really wanted the remote control car. So, uh, but you had kit, you had, uh, the DeLorean, you had, um, uh, you had, Michael uh, Keaton, Batmobile, you Michael had Keaton, Aiden Batmobile, you had general Lee, you had, um, James Bond's, uh, Aston Martin, DB5. the DB5, the original, the, the, you're talking the sixties. Yeah, um, there was yeah. The DeLorean. Yeah, there was there was that was a cool conversation to have with some people. Um, but uh please, like I said, find us on Facebook, you see our orange logo, uh, like and subscribe to the show. Um, Kevin, one more time, where can we besides Amazon, obviously, which is the easiest way to find your work, uh, where else can people find you if they have any questions or just more information? I am known to hang out at kevintumlinson.com if you go. If you search my name, you will find me. There's no avoiding Kevin Tomlinson on, on Google. So I There's no avoiding Kevin anywhere, but that's a different there story. Is, <laughs> there is one other Kevin Tomlinson online, one other, and he stands not a single chance of having a presence on Google or social media. So There's two other uh, Matt Jameses. There's a Matthew James and a Matt James. The Matt James was on The Bachelor. Uh, he mm-hmm. was a bachelor. And then there's Matthew James, who is a British uh, horticulturist, uh, a botanist, and uh, he, he just writes books about plants and flowers. So uh, if it's plants and flowers or a strapping, large, muscular African-American male, it is not me. Um, so uh, never that, not with that attitude. <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> Try harder. <laughs> Try harder. Try hard or die hard. Um mm. So that's where we're going to finish. Uh, Rich, as always, thank you for uh, bearing with me for another episode of our beautiful show. No, it, it's, it's you bearing with me. We all know it. <laughs> it's true. And it's actually Kevin bearing with us. <laughs> true. So he bit, he bit himself pretty well. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And one more time, Kevin, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time. And listeners, we'll see you uh, next time as well. Thank you. Until later. Yeah.